Welcome to the Open Book Podcast. What you're about to hear is a live recording of an event that took place at the Open Book Festival in September 2022. This open dialogue between Khadija Yecher and Ashley Moyle adopts an impromptu approach to engagement about the industry. They will unpack what a career in poetry looks like in a post-pandemic world. Here's their conversation. It's six o'clock. The sun clocks out for the moon to clock in, allowing night to an intimate date with the street light. Mom, wingman as she clears the streets in lessons, she teaches her children it is her voice that brings them back home when it goes on. Three seconds to rush back home before wooden stick or slipper finds home on her skin. From the early ages of three, young girl is taught that home is always a destination and never a state of being, so she finds herself finding comfort in people and things. She has visited homes where child cannot be art, poet, or Batman when they grow up. Living rooms turned into cemeteries, housing dead-bodied dreams that are shoved underneath a generational cursed rug. Then spray holy anointing oil to bag up this heavy scent of death that lingers. Send child to altar to resurrect a new dream that waits on Monday to be crucified again. She has visited homes where mother is both wall, roof, and cooking stick, a sacrifice of her flesh in beating up her faith that tomorrow dinner will be served, visited too many homes in search of ones better than hers, and she's realizing that home does not require the right GPS settings for arrival. Home is not found underneath the colonizer's feet. Home is simply a state of being. So if home is a state of being, welcome to our living room. Ah. <laughs> that was the perfect opening for this. Yeah. Thank you. So, post-pandemic poet's life. <laughs> I think what Ashley and I were talking about is earlier is it's quite important to know what you'd like to know about that. What do you want to know about that? The life of the poetry industry post-pandemic. Anybody? Sorry, let me, let me start with the youth first. Okay, he says you can go first. So on my end, um, there was a big shift so um, from performing live to having to go digital. But it was very, it was, there was a great benefit because you got to learn. Um, you started to becoming a content creator because you needed mm. to learn that uh, it's not only just putting the phone 
in front of your face and then just speaking, but you needed to make it interesting. So during the COVID time, you look around the house and find different places to like make it a bit interesting. So getting that knowledge and finding spaces, because now you needed to use social media as a form of delivering your work and um, reaching extended areas, which was great because it wasn't just bound in your city. Mm -hmm. You're connecting with people from overseas, so it became an international opportunity for you to engage with individuals in that aspect. So I'm, I found it as more of an eye-opener mm. on my end. Mm. I must say it was, it was more difficult for me um, um, to be transposed into a digital space. I find that I need to see people. So I actually need to connect to them and look at them when I perform. And, but I, I really do see the merit in that, in the, in the digital space and what that offers. Um, it offers fame, <laughs> which a lot of people yeah. want, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, um, as long as the work itself doesn't suffer and fame becomes the objective. I don't have an issue with being famous for what you do. It certainly will feed you and we all need to eat, we all need to pay the rent. But for me, the transition was very uncomfortable. I mean, I did a lot of Zoom um, performances during the pandemic. I loved the pandemic, by the way, in terms of the silence. Um, not the pandemic because people were dying, um, but certainly the silence and the fact that we were required to sit, and I realize I've just departed from my point, but I'll come back there now. Um, we were required to sit still. <laughs> um, we were required to share space with either family members or friends or whoever we were staying with and to engage. Yeah, because you were stuck in the place with people and so you had to engage with them. Um, there are of course other scenarios where being stuck with certain people is not okay. Like if somebody is an abusive husband or an abusive mother or an abusive father. That's a whole different, I'm just talking about where the circumstances are fine and you're just forced to face the discomfort of engaging with somebody because we don't do that. We were actually talking about this. This is what we do. It's the TikTok. <laughs> do you know that in future, if we continue, this part of your neck is going to automatically get shorter and eventually we'll be walking around like this because this is what we are doing 80% of the time. Now I'm serious. We will metamorphosize into people who have shorter front necks because we are doing this all the time. Um, anyway, so it was a strange transition for me. Um, I, I did, however, see the merit in it. I did quite a lot of performances. But I have to say nothing, 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 nothing beats a live performance space. There is nothing like looking into somebody's eyes who is sitting there and talking to them directly. You cannot see people's eyes on a digital platform. As beautiful as it can be, as international as it can be, it's like, I prefer to sit here and look into Ashley's eyes and talk to her, as opposed to talking to her on Zoom. I can look into her eyes, but there's a, there's a strange filter that happens on digital media. Also, I can't feel you. I can't feel you, you know? I'm feeling you through the filter of a digital space. And there's, there's very little happening in that digital space, yeah. 
So, post pandemic? Now, now that you spoke about the whole performance aspect, mm -hmm. yeah, that like resonates a lot because um, especially with my type of, even if someone doesn't tell me how they've experienced the poem, but you can see it in the emotion and how they're reacting. Mm -hmm. And that's not so evident over the screen. Yeah. And um, there's no claps. Yeah, they sent those emojis, but it doesn't, it doesn't clap the same way, no. you know? So, um, yeah, no. I, I really understand in that aspect. But I agree. I agree that a digital space is important. A digital presence is important, in, especially, in a, uh, especially after what we've experienced during the pandemic. For a lot of people, a lot of money was lost. I mean, at least, and not a lot of money. For some people, the little money that they were earning as poets was lost. You know, the little opportunity that there was for poets, because let's face it, poetry is, is growing. Mm -hmm. And in certain places in the world, it's, it's a lot more developed. But poets are still poor. <laughs> I don't know why I put that in air quotes. <laughs> poets are still, yeah, it's hard to live as a poet, you know. And so then we have a pandemic happening and well, nobody's hiring people anymore to open events, to close events, to be part of projects because we can't gather, you know, and uh, traveling the digital space. Um, sometimes there were lots of gremlins as we were trying to figure out like how the technology works, like what's the best way to do this sound-wise and visually and all of those things it started. There was a stutter in the process. And so, post now, people are, yeah. yeah. I, I really saw that there was a huge, even if it was not poetry and you were in the art space or you were in the visual space, people came back with this hunger because in your mind, you're like, I need to find other sustainable ways to make sure that if COVID comes back the second time, you know, I'm more set in finding income mm. and being able to survive if this comes again. So it allowed people to, when they came, the hunger level of their artistry was on, especially on my end, you know, I did more performances, being more active in the spaces, because I was like, what if that was the end? And what was the body of work had I done in that time space? Was I proud of myself at that time? And it just allowed me to reflect on myself, and I was like, no, I'm not going as hard as I thought I was. So when I went out in that direction, I met a lot of individuals who were in the same mindset, um, doing certain projects that were more intentional about what they really wanted out of their work and um, purposeful seeking um, to col of collaborations. Mm -hmm. You know, So when you get into these spaces and now the message is much more bigger than what it was mm -hmm. uh, before the pandemic. So. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's a journey. The so. pandemic created a, a certainly created a springboard. Mm -hmm. I think that it created a hunger for live performance and for um, people. I mean, you are here, <laughs> right? You came to the Open Book Festival. It's the first thing Frankie said to us as we came in. It's really started well. But because there hasn't been an open book like this for a while, so you, you're hungry to enter a space where you can actually touch something, as opposed to looking at it on a screen. Um, look, 
The poetry industry, it's still a strange for me to put the two together, poetry and industry. Um, but I guess industry simply in this case means your ability to live as a poet, to make money as a poet, right? I think first, the first thing that we need to think of, um, and especially now, after what uh, Ashley has said, you have to think of why you're doing this. Why do you want to be a poet? I mean, I, I, I hear the word slam bandied around a lot, or performance poet. And more often than not, I discover that performance poet, to a lot of people, interprets as a poet shouting <laughs> at people, you know? And I'm going, since when did it become a poet shouting at people in a very particular voice, you know? Like, we don't talk like that. Yes, there's sometimes when that has a place. It has a place when you're trying to drive a point home. Sometimes that has a place and it's important, but, like, I don't like to be shouted at. <laughs> a lot of, I, I've judged a lot of poetry things. I'm going, tell me, you need to stop me from going off. Poetry things, one or two, not a lot. And I often find myself doing this I'm going, okay, just soft, louder, loud, slightly softer, you know, it's, so it really, the, the starting point for people who want to be poets in a post-pandemic South Africa, you can learn a lot from, from Ashley, certainly on the digital side, because that's going to be very important for you. The second thing is, the first thing you need to ask yourself is, why do you want to do this? Intention is very important. Okay, what do you want to say? What do you think people want to hear? And why would they want to hear it? Is it you that want to hear it? And people like you that want to hear it? Is the message for you, is it very close to your heart? You know, it, it has to be a message that you really believe in, right? Because belief in the message is half the battle. The rest is getting the message out there, uh, learning to perform it, whether you're going to be on a digital platform or not, but learning to perform it in a way that makes the majority of people want to listen to it, even if they disagree with some of it. That's important. So how do I get you to listen? Like you are now. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, Making money in the poetry industry, I think initially, it's a, it is always a challenge. It was a challenge for me. I slept on people's couches for years and years and years because there was nothing else I wanted to do. I wanted to be a performer, not just a poet. I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to be a poet, I wanted to be many different things, but in that particular world, the world of an artist. And I discovered, I mean, I've cleaned toilets in bars, cleaned up people's puke of the night before, <laughs> um, slept on people's couches, because um, I didn't have rent to pay, and money to pay rent, so 20 years or so, slept on people's couches. Only in the last, I'm 56, so only in the last four to five years, 
can I comfortably pay, pay my rent? Okay? I can go, I can pay my rent. And I'm not worried about it. See? So, this may not be the case for you. Right? Because there is a whole world now out there. There's a whole digital space which can catapult you into a space where people go, we want that person to come and do this. We want that person, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I, don't, I want to, don't want to get into a space where I'm talking all the time and you're not. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm just, just learning. It's learning, so I'm yeah. taking notes as well here. Um, but yes, I think when you were talking about the, the, the financial aspect of it, which is a great deal of what, and you can only carry on going if your why and why you're doing certain things. Um, during the retreat, so here my voice hosted the retreat, mm -hmm. and I was just telling you earlier that we went down to, we were going down to the lake, to the river, right? So we get down to the river, and I look up and I see these large mountains, so like it's two large mountains, and I felt the ratio of man to mountain was so was so vast, mm -hmm. but the only way I didn't feel overwhelmed was because if you think of your purpose and why you want to do something, you get to live amongst those mountains, mm -hmm. you know? You get to, so I think thinking about it like that, when you think about why you're doing certain things, is very important. Um, it needs to be something that's bigger than the actual body that will live even when this body returns to soil, that it will continue. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, when that happens, the income space allows you to sleep on the couches, allows you to, to keep on because the vision mm -hmm. is much more bigger than the circumstance that is currently mm -hmm. um, happening, right? So I think that has been the biggest push for me. It hasn't been easy, but um, I was, after I matriculated, um, there was a time where I had to go to school. So most of my family are in the medical space. So they were like, no, you need to go in the medicals. And I'm like, no, it's not my heart's desires, you know. So they were more willing to fund that space than they were to the creator space. So I decided to take the route. I sat down. I said, okay, um, I'll work and mm. I will fund my art journey. And then slowly but surely, when you start um, actually t being your biggest fan, people mm. do come on the journey with you along the way. So that's basically what happened with me. And now there's more support and I'm like, I see you, you weren't there, <laughs> but you're here now, you know, it's, but I understand because especially if they grew up in an era where the arts was not a thing, you know, and you the first introducing it in such a way, it's a shock. Mm. So each time when something happens and opportunities like this present themselves, they're like, yes, but they're like, is this the last one? Could yes. this be the last one? So um, <laughs> it's also for me, it's I understand the responsibility mm. so that my siblings too can freely go into the space. But what you're saying about the whole finances is we're learning, we're allowing ourselves and for it to, to take up spaces, being mm. the actor, mm. being just manipulation of your art and... Mm. It's, uh, Ashley touched on something... Um, which is very important. Um, she didn't say it in the same way that I'm going to say it, but it's there, and it reminded me of something that happened to me two years ago. It's 2020, yeah, two years ago. 2019, maybe three years ago. Okay, when was the, when was lockdown? 
2020. 2020? 20? 20. Ah, that's two years. Now, it is the previous year, just before lockdown, just before that year. Um, of deciding, of making the choice to become whatever it is that you're setting out to become. Um, I know that we, we often say, well, I'm, going to, I'm studying this, or I'm going to study this. It's not the same. It is a choice. It is making a choice, but it's, there's another layer to making a choice, and I, I'm, I'm going to find this difficult to describe. I was sitting at home one day, and I realized that for most of 2018 and 2019, I had been working consistently, with a month maybe here and there where I wasn't working. And I went, oh, and what was the work? And I realized it was acting. And I went, oh, I've been in this, this, oh, wow. Because while you're doing it, you're not thinking about it. You're doing it. And I went, oh, I am an actress. I'm a poet, yes, but now I'm also an actress. Yes, I'm an actress. And the minute that happened, I haven't stopped working because I recognized myself in the space. I went, yes, you are. You're not an imposter. You know, I'd pitch up on set and I'd often feel like, oh, Jesus, they all studied at UCT. <laughs> they all studied at Stellenbosch or UCT or wherever they studied drama. And I'm going, oh, God, I never studied drama. You know, now I go and I go, well, I didn't study drama, but actually... You know, life is kind of an interesting developmental process <laughs> for what people do, you know, for characters. So, yeah, that was very, thank you for reminding me of that. It's choosing and owning what it is that you want to be is very, very important. And deciding what it is you want to say and how you want to say it. And no matter whether the money comes in or not, and I know this is a very difficult thing, Keep creating work. Now, I see a lot of younger people sitting here. And notice I said younger. <laughs> and the thing that we don't have in Cape Town and in South Africa, we don't have a lot of this happening. We don't have street performance a lot. Like, people don't just walk onto the street and three, three or four of you go onto a corner and you just start doing something find a lot of this in Europe. It's actually such a lovely thing to, to come into a city and to see that happening. You know, people who are like really, and people are really, they're taking themselves seriously. They're taking the work seriously and they just start out performing on a street corner. You might want to think about doing that. I haven't been brave enough. <laughs> But that's very interesting, and there are very site-specific places. Cape Town is filled with this, so I'm just dropping the seed. There's the Slave Lodge. The entire company gardens is site-specific. The station precinct is site-specific. If you know history, you know that, that precinct. Strand Street is site-specific. The sea used to come up to Strand Street. That's why it's called Strand Street. The castle, this entire street is site-specific. Cape Town is an incredibly, incredible space to imagine in. 
to work in and to mine time, to mine time, okay? So whether you're working or not, and by working I mean earning money, you are still creating and you still have to continue to create work because that is what you are. You are an artist, a person who creates. And creating also means sitting still, okay, and doing nothing. It's not just picking up a pen and writing or, or getting up and performing. Crea the creative process is also part of being quiet. And that means that you have to get off this in order to understand your own thoughts. That is something that Mo and I were talking about, is how we are, we constantly think, things, think that things are our idea, and then we don't ask ourselves, what do I want? Because the idea has been, we've been seeing the idea playing itself out so many times on social media, on television, on whatever we're watching, that we start thinking it's our idea. I really want to do this, but if we actually sit down and ask ourselves, is this what I want? We'll discover it's not what you want. So you have to get away from this in order to create, sometimes. Okay, that's gonna be a bit of a stretch, but I will definitely. Oh, we should answer with the poem, okay. Ooh. I'm trying to see which one has a cell phone in it. <laughs> <laughs> There are names we are given, names we believe in and names we become. There are names that eat out of our mouths, chew with their mouth open, spitting. Images of how they traded the voices of our lineage. The chews get louder. Countless voices have lost their teeth. They are bones you cannot grind marrow into wine, and this is how you got your name. You were named after the things they could not swallow, Tolisa. The clicks in your name aren't accidental, son. They have shape-shifted your father's infidelity into hands, then RKO'd the apology that hung on ropes that almost took your life. Hope 619 you back into the ring for you to pinhole the apology till the count of three, one. I am not the apology. Two, I am not the apology. Three, I am not the apology. Losing means you become the apology. This is how you learn to fight your father's apology in your name. Then there is you. Handed the burden baton, you're born with your fist clenched. In one hand, it's your mother's remarriage, and in the other, the village's disappointment. They name you Avatakali, a vendor name that means we are not happy. Your name morphs into Moe's shaft, splitting these two seas to create enough dry ground for loving your story to walk back to you, for lovers to walk back to you. But then your lover happens to be Aquaman, a man born from the same tides you're running from. He tries to love you, tries to clothe you, but he finds two temples without doors to enter. Aquaman does not give up. He turns tongue to slate and slides down south. Here he finds an ark made out of men that look just like him, men that have drowned at the coming of a feet. Traumas from a story have leaped into a love life, leaving stains of resistance as a love language where I am from, 
The word God latches to the suffix of our names. Tariwanashe, kudakwashe, panashe. There has been too much pain in my country's story not to have God as the epilogue. We've become alchemists to our own traumas. Learn to turn, he didn't mean it. Mukadziano Shingirira as a remedy to blue eyes and bruised hips. Learn to turn, I am still in this marriage for my kids as a remedy to a love that left a decade ago with your escape plan. You were left here with denial and a bucket of tears as a family heirloom. There will be days like this. Days your name will press play on traumas you thought you had healed from. Be patient with yourself. Cleansing is rebirth. Be patient with yourself. Cleansing is rebirth. You can clap. <laughs> Did you hear that? That was a perfect example of telling a story. Not shouting at you, but driving a point home. Right? Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, when you are composing your poems during the pandemic, uh, wasn't it uh, sort of suffocating since you are literally stuck in one place and had nowhere to seek uh, inspiration? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just say that to me again. Uh, when composing your yeah. poems during pandemic, uh, wasn't it suffocating mm -hmm. since you were literally stuck in one place and you had nowhere to seek inspiration? Okay. Suffocating. Stuck in one place. I don't, I didn't, that's, I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question, but to answer your question from my perspective, I didn't feel stuck in one place. Um, and so, um, inspiration-wise, inspiration comes from many different places for me. Um, I can find inspiration just sitting still and staring at something. Um, I can find inspiration listening to somebody else talk about something or uh, seeing somebody sit across the distance that I don't know, looking at a tree. You can find inspiration anywhere. You don't have to move to find inspiration. Physically, you don't have to move. It can feel like that when you are not accustomed to being in one place. It can feel like the rest of you is stuck until you change what's going on in here. Because that is actually the issue, isn't it? It's that you believe that because you physically can't go anywhere that you are stuck. But you're not stuck. Here is a thousand places here. So you're not stuck. So I didn't feel stuck. So I didn't have that, that problem of feeling suffocated because I don't see it that way. You understand? It's all about how you see something. Okay, on my end, I think um, most of my work, um, it actually molded for me the work and what I write about. So most of my content is home-related issues. So I think it, it assisted because I'd like travel to like each room in the house and then write something about that. And the stillness like um, Khadija was talking about, that even if you're not moving physically or you're not traveling, 
when you're still, you're still creating. So that stillness was very important in like defining on what do I want to talk about on my end. So it wasn't suffocating at all on my end. I think it helped with the creation of what I want to talk about really. Mm. So it was more of an indication. I'm trying to think of something that would assist. I mean, did you feel like that? Sometimes. Yeah. I think sometimes we all feel like that. But the pandemic itself, during that particular time, I didn't feel suffocated. Um, I think what suffocates me a lot of the time is the mentality of, of, of people. It's the way that we view the, often view the world very narrowly. Um, and it's, always in, it's often embedded at home in our, in, our, in our little environments, in the people that we, in our neighborhoods and all of that. It's like when I say my name to people, there are certain people I don't want to say Khadija to. Because I know, the minute they hear Khadija, they're going, hi, salam alaikum. And they, and they think, okay, now I'm thinking, okay, if I take that glass of wine off the table. So I become, I become, boxed and suffocated. I go, okay, shit, I should never have said my name is Khadija. I'll just say Tracy, because that's also my name. Because then I don't have to have this frame that I'm now stuck in, oh God, you know? Um, and it's not like that for all Muslims. All Muslims don't apply that, same, that frame to other, other people, okay? But there are certain Muslims who live a particular way who the minute they hear your name will go, oh, and you already know Where's your scarf? It's Friday, why aren't you in mosque? Da, 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 da. Oh, that's not halal, that, what's on her plate? It's not halal. Oh, God, it's bacon. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm, 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 this is very simplistic stuff, so it, it gets more complex, but yeah. So that kind of stuff is suffocating for me, just in a general sense, yeah. So like, could the suffocation have been like the people that you were with around? And then they weren't allowing you to. It's more like uh, you know, trying to portray the poison. Yeah. The birds and their animals and such. Um, trees, actually. Yeah. Like there's uh, different types of trees and how they throw. Like a datura flower, mm -hmm. it only throws in the darkness, right? So when, like, uh, when you're trying to compose a poem about that, uh, you wouldn't have um, the, um, how do I say, uh, them. Uh, the description of uh, yeah. how it like uh, uproots from mm. it. Yeah, oh, I see. It. Okay. So you'd want to be there, is that what you say? Yeah, uh, okay. Got you. Got you. Also, you use that as a method of writing to actually physically be in that environment and see it grow. Okay. Through it. Mm -hmm. I think with mine, it's more tra time traveling. So I think if I had to go everywhere that I write about, that would be nice, but I don't think I'll reach there. Yeah, so. It might be quite tiring, actually. <laughs> um, There's still some time, uh, by the way. Uh, but are there any questions? Uh, please put up your hand. One, two, three, four. All right, um, I'll give it to you now. While we give it to them, um, I have a question, right? You were speaking about being boxed, right? How stating your name, uh, your Khadija name, um, would have people boxing it, right? Now, from the context of your work, right, mm -hmm. you know, um, you might be known to do certain types of poems. 
right? You as well. Everyone knows you. These are the type of poems you do. Mm. Um, don't you sometimes feel boxed and you do not have the ability to go out of your comfort zone and the topics that you often speak of because then people start, mm. you know, beyond some, but this is not you. Mm. Um, how do you feel about that? Mm. That's a very interesting question. Do you want to go you, first? You, you may. Oh, you may. Okay. Um, yes, it is something that I've given thought to, Ishmael. Um, I, I do write other types of poems, so I don't necessarily just write the kinds of poems that I perform a lot. Um, and recently I have felt like having performed a certain type of rhythm and it definitely is performance work because I write with that in my head. I write, uh, it's the only way, I find it easy to write like that. Um, it has recently, uh, recently I have felt boxed by it. I have felt like it is expected of me to do this kind of work and it actually does become exhausting sometimes because the kind of stuff that I'm writing about is about digging in a, it's literally digging in a place. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i using the word literally quite incorrectly, but it feels like that, like you're digging up a grave. Um, because a lot of my stuff is very specific historical context in terms of identity and how that unfolds. But identity is also more than what I've written about goes beyond that as the LGBTIQA uh, um, world and community is teaching us if we allow that world to teach us because that world is teaching us some remarkable things about identity and life and that it's really beyond all of the other rubbish that we've boxed ourselves in, more boxes. So I have, I've been writing different things and at my, my poetry launch recently I did the usual suspects, <laughs> and then, and I love those poems. No, don't get me wrong, I really do love those poems. Um, I did the usual suspects, and then I did a poem that I composed during lockdown, inspired by lockdown, inspired by the, the living through the pandemic called Death, um, which is not as morbid as it sounds which is completely different in terms of how it is performed from the other pieces. And it is very interesting when you break out of that mold. Um, and we mustn't be afraid of it because once, once you do it, I noticed that people listened anyway. They were like, oh, this is new, you know? Okay, and the good thing about this is, and about me having done this work and performed so for so long, so that also has a part to play in it, is that people are more prepared to listen because they've heard me, you know, so they've become used to me saying certain things and they, and they kind of maybe also like a lot of the stuff that I'm saying. So for me to depart from that, it makes it easier in a way for them to listen because they like, some of them like some of the things that I say, yeah. But it's, it's a beautiful feeling to break out of that box, which is also sometimes a self-imposed box, yeah. Um, 
I think on my end, getting out of the box or trying to be out the box was more of um, performing in spaces that people don't know me as well. So um, I also enjoy that as well. Like you were talking about saying your name and then all of a sudden you have the specific suspects mm. that you're performing. So it allows you to reintroduce yourself. As the artist as well, you get to push yourself because these people don't know you. You know They don't know your name or what you're capable of. So you're going there like it's the first time I am the artist that I think I am, but you're like, okay, let's go, mm. you know? So um, introducing new poems, I would try to like have one or two that, that the fan base have already know, and then just introduce like that. Mm. I think it was much more easier mm. to, I'm still learning to break freely from it, but I, I sometimes feel indebted to do it. Like mm. when I get there, there's the certain poems I need to also perform and then introduce the new ones. Because mm. you're still experimenting as an artist while you're growing on your journey. So um, there's a the fear of failing. You know, it's like, how did you fail when you reached all the way here? Like, it doesn't make sense, but you need to allow yourself the freedom to do so. Um, so I, I constantly remind myself or try to learn when I'm introduced into a new space to grow and write something new and then see how people receive it in that new space. Thanks but also like the old ones do assist. I think that's the way I would get out the box mm. completely. Mm. So you're going through that to get mm. to the... I just want to, uh, to say, um, Ashley just touched on it now, you never stop growing as an artist. When you, when you feel that you, you've reached a place and you don't need to develop, I suggest that you stop being an artist. Um, also as a human, if you feel that you've learned enough and you don't have to learn anymore, then maybe. <laughs> like, really, because it's ongoing, really. And, and the spaces in which, which people don't know you, those are the best spaces for you to be in. It's so uncomfortable. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Khadija, could I ask you, could you perform that poem, Death, for us, please? Oh, I don't have the book, because I don't know it out of my head. Let me just see. If I can find it on my phone, I can do it. And it's also something I don't like, doing. Performing from the phone. Let me see quickly. Luckily, I have the final, final PDF before the book went to print. That's why I know I can find it on the phone. It is the last poem in the book as well, so it's on the last page, ha. which also makes it very easy. Ha. Okay, here we go. Dear, yes. Also, I don't like reading my work. People also have to know that. I like to memorize it. So, this is called Death. I am tender. Grief is the blood roller coaster coursing through me. The night is a line between all the times of my life. So come in, come quick, great rain, so that I may salt my heart and be empty. Come hound me till the gates give and the walls fall and there is nothing left to bury. I am tired of burying those I love. Death is always a season running back to back with life. 
We all covet the living we didn't do, the words we didn't say, the kindness we never showed, the compassion we never used, the mercy we left up to God, the time we didn't spend, that laughter that we never rattled loose from the cages of our unruly censorship. We covet, but only in death, belated desire to give. The graveyards are filled with the things we never said, the time we never made, dear God. I will not bury another one without giving everything away. It is what I deserve. That poem is born out of something very specific, by the way. Sorry. No. Oh. Um, I, I, I still get quite, <laughs> I find it quite amusing that every time we go to a funeral, the first thing people start saying is, oh, you know, I should really have spent more time with so-and-so. God, we really have to make more time for each other, you know, and then we feel really bad for a few days after the funeral, but then we just go on with life. And then when a friend contacts us and says, let's spend time together, it's like, oh, you know, it's going to be a bit tight for me. I don't know. Like, mm. until the next funeral. Same thing. Same, same thing gets said again. In the next funeral, the same thing gets said again. And we never actually do what we say we're going to do at the funeral. So that's why that poem was written. Thank you so much. Um, may I, um, you mentioned, uh, you said, I uh, don't like to read my poems. I like to perform them uh, from my heart. Mm. Can you um, tell us why that is so important? Um, I th because when you're reading, what happens is that you're focusing on the words on the page. So you have to read what's written there because you don't know it. Um, and then that detracts from me communicating with all of you. Whereas if I recite a poem, I know out of my head, I'm, I'm, I'm really just engaged in conversation with you. But when I'm doing this, I'm like, and you know, eventually you start, sometimes when you do this thing, you jump a line, you start realizing, oh fuck, that's, I'm not, where am I now? You know, sorry. <laughs> Where am I now? And and so that's the reason I don't particularly like to read uh, things because I also want to to look at people when I'm talking to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same for me. Mm -hmm. Being able to carry the crowd. Um, there's something that happens when you're performing. So the eye contact. Um, when I'm looking there and I grab you and then I'm like mm. magicianing and I'm yeah, so it's, 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 for me <laughs> no, you're right. yeah, yeah, so for me it's that experience where I'm able to hold people and then let them go off to the journey when we arrive. And you do that very well. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Doesn't Ashley do that well? There's something, it's Don't almost like cry. she's taking you and molding you in the process. That's going to make yeah. me cry now. <laughs> Um, I'm going to do a poem. Is it okay? But, but no, let's, let's answer the questions first. 
Thank you. You've both um, shared such beautiful insights in your different ways. <clears throat> I was thinking about what you said about industry and the younger generation, the young writers, the young voices, and also the idea of connecting like with festivals and just popping up and having that impromptu kind of performances. And I was thinking, I don't know to what extent groups are organized anymore, but that is one way of doing it. I know that's how it was done in the 80s, and particularly as protest kind of platforms, people organized as collectives. So it might be one opportunity for the younger generation. Um, but I was also thinking about what you said about the digital and then publication, and you've just shared now from your, from your volume, and congratulations on Thank you. probably yet another publication. But for me personally, that has been an obstacle. And I think maybe also, you know, not everyone is going to get published. And sometimes those who do get published are those who can afford to do their own publication and then try and sell it. Um, I don't know if you have any comments and suggestions and insights that you can share with, with this generation about, you know, how to get your work out there. Mm. I was never interested in being published, by the way. So, um, for me, yeah. No, no, absolutely, I, I, I hear you. Um, I, I was never really interested in being published. My work was sent to Mojaji Books, the first lot. I mean, there's a lot of poems that I haven't published because I just don't put them in the book necessarily. Um, I was very, I've always been very interested in performing. Um, and so when the first one, when eventually they told me they want to publish the first one, I said, okay. But I wasn't really involved in that process. In fact, I didn't do a lot of editing because I found it quite like, <laughs> that's the best way for me to describe it. I can't find the word. I was like, oh God, this is a last month. Okay, actually. Um, with the second one, the one that's been published now, which is seven years later, which shows you how much interest I have in publishing. <laughs> Uh, when Colin said, can we do, publish you a second, I said, sure. I got very involved. Um, I mean, I think at, at the end there, they were getting a little bit irritated with me because I was like, uh, and there's, no, there's another error. No, I'm seeing another error. No, okay. So eventually I had to go, okay, now I can't actually do this. Now I'm, now I'm becoming obsessive about it. Um, but certainly I believe and I feel that poets should hone their performance skills. That's how it worked for me. I performed a lot of my work, which is why people came to my first book launch when I eventually said the book has been launched. They had seen me perform the stuff for years. So they rocked up to the point where people couldn't actually come into the book lounge. They were standing on the pavement. And that was very interesting for me. So uh, the same thing happened with this now. I, uh, not the spilling over onto the pavement, it was a lot more contained because it was in an art gallery and you know, there was an exhibition and all of that. But certainly I would say to young people, perform your work. And as much as I say the digital presence is not the only presence, perform your work well. Make sure, find, ask people. Let people watch you, people you know who have performed. Let them give you tips. Learn not 
to mimic other poets. I can't say that enough. Don't try to be another poet that you've seen. You cannot be Ashley. You are not Ashley. You are not me. Find your own identity. If you happen to sound a little bit like us or another poet, that's fine. Because we live in the same world. We do feed off each other. But make sure that you find your own identity and then work on your performance and put it on a digital platform. Put it on Instagram. Make sure you're doing it well. You're all born with phones in your hands. You all know. You all know how to do this. You know, make sure that it's a, it's a really, it doesn't have to be special effects, but a nice, clean, nicely, well done. Take pride in your work, in other words. Right? I would say do that. Do that, right? Sign up for residencies. Go onto Google. Check, sorry, but it's like, check what residencies are available for artists. More often than not, they are including poets in residencies these days. Write a proposal for your residency and application. If you don't have the words or you don't know how to do it, ask somebody who knows how to do it. Ask somebody. Say, do you know how to do this? Can you assist me with doing this? What do they want to know here? Right? Because they ask you a series of questions when you apply for residencies. They want to know what project you're going to be working on when you are flown to Sweden for a month to work on a project. You must have a project in your head, even if it's still in your imagination. You can make it up. You know what I'm saying? But there are lots of different things that we can do. There are lots of residencies available to poets and performers. Um, what else? Well, just to add on, I think your question is very relevant, especially to me right now. Um, I've performed the work and I'm trying to go into spaces, the residency spaces, being more into that context. So during the time where I've been performing my work, I have submitted to magazines. So just to get your certain poets poems to be published. Mm. So during your journey, like while you're learning, you can submit for publications, anthologies, um, that is part of the body of work so that when you're applying for the residencies, mm. it weighs more. So yeah, during the journey. So I think, so definitely mm. we'll continue to move on that. Yeah, path. that's, the, uh, yeah, also there are lots of festivals that happen in Cape Town, in and around the country. Mm. Okay, this of this continent, in Europe, there are lots of different festivals happening. I would say start at home. I mean, you know, look at what the themes are. So look at what the themes are. And a theme can look a certain way, but you, if you really think about it, can fashion a theme to fit your vision. Okay? So it depends on your perspective. You can change, you can make a theme fit your vision. Um, you just have to think out of the box, really. But there are lots of these, these platforms like Wordfears, which is on at the moment, and Wordfears <laughs> um, needs uh, lovely, colorful faces. They do need it, because they have to justify to their funders. <laughs> That's the reality. They need your colorful faces because they have to justify to their funders that they are actually doing that work, right? So, there you go. St. Worcester same thing. 
I know that there are a lot of actors that say to us to peers, but produce the work. Do the performance. Collaborate with your friend who also does maybe dance. So that can, they can interpret the poetry through dance. They can interpret the poetry. Yes, poetry can be done like that. It can be dramatized, by the way. Did you know poetry can be dramatized? So you can add a drama aspect to it. You can actually write a series of 10 poems and create a theatrical piece with it. Okay. There's so much that can be done with, with, with poetry. And submit, look, go onto those sites, go onto those, those, those organizations on their Instagram pages and follow them so that you get the stuff coming up in your feed so that you know when it's happening, you know when, when submissions open, so you know what the dates are, you know that you have to work at getting the application in, you know budget, you have to budget, you have to learn how to do a budget. Okay, what's it going to cost us to do this, right? We have to get there. We need transport money. I'm sorry, I'm now, now breaking it down very much. We, have, we need transport to get there, right? I'm going to travel from Kailicha every day on my own money. It's expensive. I have to go and rehearse. I have to be there three days out of the weekend to perform. And then it's late and I have to get home and all of this. So you need to factor in all of these things you have to, but you need to watch, watch the spaces for what's coming up. I mean, I must tell you that I'm very bad at this. So while I'm telling you, I really don't. I really don't. It's like I've never actually. I used to go, wow, that's it. Wistavis, how did that happen? And then people said to me, did you not? You must check. For submissions, like, because for me, being on social media and on Instagram is not normal. It wasn't normal, it's more normal now, you know, for me to check those things, to check what's happening at the national, um, what, what is that thing that happens in Grahamstown? Thank you. <laughs> A national arts festival in Grahamstown. So there's that also, and there's probably a lot more other festivals that I don't know about that you can go and just research online. I mean, make it worth your while. Actually be constructive about what it is that you want to do, what it is that you need to know in order to get yourself to a place where you can actually eat from doing your work. Okay.
to what we are doing as poets, as musicians, as artists. Um, so if I understand your question, you want to completely just move into the digital space, no, in totality, or just, completely. yeah. I'm all yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, don't you think that it should also be digitized while we're also doing it? Like, Definitely, I'm yes. I'm not saying like makeup and all of that. There's okay. a lot of movies that are being shot for titles, you know? Mm -hmm. And obviously, other people can't do like titles. But I mean, at least at all, Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we've we've mm. said we've said to the exclusion of the one. I'm yeah. I'm I'm a little bit older, so I find it very exhausting to be online, a lot of the time. But no, I definitely see the merit in a digital mm. platform. That's what I was saying earlier, is that people should actually make bits of their poems. Let them friends help put up put it up put it out in the digital space, especially when you are not known in the world, in the, in the world of the artist. You need to put out your work, and it's a beautiful thing that we have a digital space to put out work in. I just think that that is also a space where we need to find, we need to find a balance, just in a life sense, between that space and life, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we, we had just like touched on it earlier where I did express that during the COVID era or time, it was very important for um, you to learn how to use the digital platform. So you didn't, you were not just now just a poet. You had to like go on YouTube and kind of learn how to use different um, editing apps, you know, so you learn different things. So you start becoming a content creator, which is important, you know. I have a friend who was just asking the other day, Ashley, why don't you put your stuff on TikTok, you know? Why aren't you, you know? And I thought about it, which is actually something that I'm looking into, you know, putting content as much as you can out there as well. Because um, right now I've seen a lot of um, people get bookings as well through the digital aspect of it. So yes, content creation in that aspect, it has a, I think it has grown from the COVID time. Mm. So I wouldn't say there was like a decline, it was mm. more of an increase in it. Yeah. For, yeah. Even if you don't want to, it's just like you have to post that video. So you post it and then you, and, and it always benefits you on the, at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, being more intentional about what you're posting and your influence, you need to understand that because you're posting this information, is this really what you want to say? Not just for the clout and just getting the numbers, but is it aligned mm. to the intention of your writing? I think that becomes, you're not just doing it for a TikTok like challenge, but you're more intentional mm. and it works according to your brand and what you want to put out into the world. So I think that's where it becomes a bit tricky. There's a statement here uh, before, because we have run out of time, but however, we got approval for a last 10 minutes of some poems, right? 
Uh, so to close off the statement and on to you. Um, Greetings, everyone. Yeah. So um, I was trying not to talk, but the edge to, to answer this. So it's a very important question when everyone is talking about the 4IR and everyone within the creative industry try to figure out how do they move forward and put their work out there. And it's a question that also, as poets, so that we need to ask ourselves as to how do we really put our work out there. Um, what they are saying, I agree with them fully. And to add on that is that publishing, it's a problem on its own. Money, to, luckily now we have systems or uh, printing houses where you can print you know, on demand. You can print 10 books, come here, sell them, I'll be able to, bribe, to buy bread and milk. You know, we, we are there. So mm -hmm. there are those you know, systems that are helping us, because we understand that we are businesses and you know, those systems are put in place. But also it is for the poets in this particular case to understand that much as you're going to, let's say you, 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 you publish with a, with a publishing house, there, there are royalties involved. What poets need to understand that TikTok, there are royalties involved. It's not just the challenge. And here my voice is, has mandated me to, 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 to work on South African Poets Guild. And one of the mandates is for us to be able to say, who's going to collect royalties for poetry on TikTok? Who, that's where we should be thinking. Mm -hmm. okay. that, is, that is the approach that, you know, there are other royalty collecting bodies, but also every other aspect holistically of the poetry industry, where are we going? And it's not only being on TikTok, but it's about how do we make money as poets and not only from selling books, because of being on TikTok, you are publishing. YouTube is publishing. How do we really, you know, get yeah. that guap? Thanks. <laughs> mm. Thank you, Mo. We can close off with some poems. Sure. Um. I come from Caledon dust, where my mother grew her bones to fit inside my father's arm. I come from crooked fig trees in my grandmother's backyard, alive with the procreation of bees. I come from loose-tongued women who speak their minds and drink beer with men under oak trees on a Saturday afternoon, where the politics of what was proper fell short of the doorstep. And from here, at the hearth of a cold stove, boiling water for baths in a steel tub made for five women and their children. And from that place where another woman took me, slimy, into her midwife arms and called me daughter with a whole heart. I come from a man who used his hands and spirit to make my life safe driving Cape City Council trucks for something that could not be called making a living. I come from biology, mythology, adoption, community, unnatural Catholic beliefs. Masturbation is a sin. To rape and overriding carnal pleasures deceptively disguised as love. I come from passion and power, frangipani, dahlias, marigolds in our garden. I come from a complex identity 
one that cannot be fashioned around conventional notions of family, tradition, culture, language, religion, sexual orientation. I am the offspring of Heri di Strandloper, Kritua, Ancela van de Kaap, Susanna van Bengal, van Ribbik the Barbarian, and many more. I come from places I have not been and people I have not seen. I am the parchment of a history that is rarely spoken, sitting behind museum curtains entrusted to tour guides whose tongues speak benign slavery. In the ledger of time, nothing adds up. For what happened in the lodge, Prestwich Place, Gallows Hill, Green Market and Church Squares, and on tortured Pages of history is never written in their tongues. Horror. Their voices catch in a spirit gag. And the sperm of centuries ago? <laughs> it walks on streets of denial in European cities that I need a passport for. And in unsung celebrations of black mothers and fathers. Until we speak, until we speak, until we speak our unanswered questions, cancer our children. My love makes me speak. I come from this. Space. This one needs space. <laughs> okay. Will Judas please stand up? Judas and eyes eagle out into the crowd in search of man to stand, but I am the only one standing. Judas was. Female. Women, when did we get you? A place where our love for each other has turned into a boomerang, goes out into the world to return with each other's men when? Did the pheromones of men we did not join wholly in matrimony reek from our skin? I guess when betrayal arrives in an anatomy that looks like your mother, your dissentment spirit gets harder to listen to. So we wine and dine, breaking each other's bones and bodies as a form of bread. Betrayal has become our Messiah. I was only ten when saying grace felt like blasphemy. Amen's too busy drowning to make it to heaven. Judas set our house on fire, but everyone was focused on adjusting the aircon. My siblings and I have become smokers ever since. The art of inhaling toxicity in a form of you are too young to be involved. So we never question why we have been burning my mother's tongue to keep my father's feet warm. We never question why vows are said if not meant till death do us part. But why stay when the parting happens before the death? But today we are all gathered for the last supper. 
seated. On the right hand of the father is my father's lineage, kids that did not heal. His father too busy absent to teach table manners, so they all eat from the pots. The traumas are seen in the manner they eat. They do not use napkins or utensils, so leaving stains on their kids is an inevitable thing. When my mother loves my father, she is also parent to the lost boy inside. In all of this, my mother is still saying grace at the table. Seated on the left, there it sat a serpent, coiled around my father's chest. Judas knows that the way to a man's heart is through his traumas, so she plays with the lost boy inside my father. What becomes of man trapped inside his childhood? What becomes of my siblings and I in all of this? No time to be child and play when our limbs are too busy holding up my mother's smile. No time to be child and play when my siblings are home for their school fees are busy building up Judas's home. In all of this, my mother is still saying grace at the dinner table. In that moment, my anger brews into a Molotov cocktail. I want to show Judas what I have been praying for, to turn her head into pinata, unravel Hitler's concentration camp inside her womb. I want her to feel like me. That because of her, I have seen father become phantom. Limbs I am still trying to gather from her backyard to, to keep this table stable. Ashley, says my mother, we do not fight with our fists, we fight with our knees. Do you not see that your father art in heaven and he that is down here is just man looking for refuge in him too? Do not take the face of Judas and forsaken mine at the wayside. I go back into saying grace, praying that I too can embody the godliness within my mother. So if anyone ever asks for Jesus to stand up, my mother and I will always be standing. Thanks for listening. This event was brought to you in partnership with Hear My Voice and made possible by the support of the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture, the City of Cape Town and the Heinrich Bull Foundation. See you in the next episode.